the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for being with us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the seventh morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. The lockdown of the United States continues as the spread of the coronavirus continues to spread or shrink, grow or fall back. What's going on? I don't know. And the reason I don't know is nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's the lead message for you this morning. Nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. The president doesn't know. The vice president doesn't know. Mike DeWine doesn't know. Amy Acton certainly doesn't know. Deborah Burks doesn't know. And Anthony Fauci doesn't know. And that's the most important development on this front that we have today. They don't know. Lead story today came from the White House, came from the White House Corona, uh, response, Coronavirus Response Task Force, headed up by the Vice President. The chief uh, figure in that, of course, is Anthony Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci has been considered the leading, I think that's the word that they use. I don't know how you, if there's a, if there's a, a standings or not. I don't know exactly if it's, it's considered to be like a race or not, but, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is considered to be the leading, uh, infectious d- disease specialist in the country. He's been advising five presidents now going back to Ronald Reagan on this matter. And so he's the guy who knows. He's the guy everybody says, we need to listen to Fauci. Don't listen to Trump. Listen to Fauci. Don't listen to Trump. Listen to Burks and Fauci. Okay. And, and I've backed that, have I not, 
on this program, you have heard me many times saying what? Okay, let's agree with that. Let's listen to the experts. And we'll take what the president says and we'll compare it to what the experts say. And sometimes it'll be spot on with one another. Sometimes it won't. Fauci, of course, saying, I'm not at odds with the president. Every time I give him advice, he follows it. Even though there may be a little bit of disagreement in the press conferences from time to time on various matters. But he's always had the president's back in that regard. So I have said, let's listen to Anthony Fauci. Let's listen to Dr. Deborah Burks. They're the experts. President Trump isn't the expert. He's supposed to find the best experts and hire the best experts, which, according to everybody on both sides of the aisle, they have done. He has done. Dr. Anthony Fauci and Deborah, Deborah Burks are just par excellence. Okay? So why, then, are we sitting here today absolutely guessing as to what in the world is going on with this virus in this country? Last week, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birch scared the bejesus out of us all. Worst case scenario, if we don't do the right things with social distancing and the proper hygiene practices, etc., etc., limiting gatherings, in fact, eliminating gatherings, if we don't do all of these things, we're going to have anywhere between 1.5 to 2.2 million deaths in the United States alone. That's a lot of death. One and a half million to 2.2 million, we were told, if we don't do anything. But they said that's, that's the bad news. The good news is, the good news, they said, is that if we do continue the social distancing and if we do practice the right habits, in other words, if we stay on lockdown, well, then we can limit it to between 100 and 240,000 dead Americans. That's best case scenario. Best case scenario, they said last week. What, five days ago? Four or five days ago. Now, today, actually yesterday, we're reporting on it today. Yeah, we're going to be well below that number two. Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci are at the point of all of this. They're the ones that we are told we need to listen to, we need to trust. They've got their finger on the pulse of it all. This was from yesterday's White House press briefing. There's a large number of them have worked very hard um, and did done a lot of predictions. And what we did is did, we did predictions of predictions. We like to integrate data, and so that's where you come up with these numbers. I think Dr. Fauci and I both strongly believe that if we work as hard as we can over the next several weeks, that we will see potential to go under the numbers that were predicted by the models. And I think that is really two things. It is the extraordinary compliance of the American people and the diligence that they have um, mitigated with. Because remember, we are doing this strictly by behavior change. It's very hard to change trajectory of viruses on just behavior change. We have had difficulty in our past doing that. Um, So that's what we're doing, and that's what the American people are doing. But the other side of that is the incredible insights that Washington State and others are providing on how to better care for the patients in the hospital. And so those two pieces are coming together that could have a dramatic impact on the predictions of the mortality from this disease. (laughs) 
need to um, I need to interrupt that for just a second. That was Dr. Deborah Burks, but I wanted you to make sure you understood what you just heard there when she said these models are predictions of predictions. That's what the numbers say. We're predicting what that model over there is going to predict about the number of people who are going to die or be hospitalized from the Chinese coronavirus. That's what we're relying on to shut down our entire American economy. To put tens of millions out of work that is going to lead to, I believe, far more thousands of deaths if this continues than the virus itself. Because we're basing it on predictions of predictions of models. That was Dr. Deborah Burks. Here comes Dr. Fauci. So I'm glad you asked that question because I've said it a couple of times here. I want to say it again. Repetition is good. (laughs) Is that models are good. They, they, They help us to make projections. But as you get data in, you modify your model. And I've always said data always trumps models. Always. So what I feel, and I believe that Dr. Burks also feels, that I don't think anyone has ever mitigated the way I'm seeing people mitigate right now. This has never happened in this country before. So I am optimistic, always cautiously optimistic, that if we do what I've been talking about over the past few minutes, we can make that number go down. I I don't accept every day that we're going to have to have 100 to 200,000 deaths. I think we can really bring that down, no matter what a model says. I think we can really bring that number down. I don't accept that we're going to have 100,000 to 200,000 deaths. Four days ago, five days ago, this same doctor, this very same doctor, told us it was going to be best case. No, we can't come in under that. That's if we do everything perfectly. We'll have 150 to 240, or I'm sorry, 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. Scaring the bejesus out of the country. And now four days later, in fact, let's go back just a little bit further. Friends, we, we, you need to understand this. That this cannot be buried as we try our level best, as we try our very, very best to deal with the disease, but also deal with the cure that is being prescribed by Ohio's leaders and by federal leaders that may be worse than that disease. In late February, Dr. Fauci published, now we figured this out last week, I said it was late March, because that's when the New England Journal of Medicine put it online. Turns out, it was a month old. But okay. So in late February, it was around February 27th, Dr. Fauci wrote for the New England Journal of Medicine an article about coronavirus. In it, he and his colleagues ostensibly said that the Chinese coronavirus would be no worse than the seasonal flu. Don't freak out. Now, mind you, this is at the same time that Nancy Pelosi was standing in the middle of Chinatown in San Francisco and telling everybody, come on down here and join me. Get down here and let's eat in Chinatown. Everything's fine. No problem at all. This is, this is February 24th. Or 7th, make your part. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me make sure I clarify here. 
Um, the 24th is when Pelosi was in Chinatown. 27th is when this article ran in the New England Journal of Medicine. It didn't get to the website for the New, Eng- New England Journal of Medicine until uh, late March. So late February, Fauci says coronavirus will be no worse than the flu. Last week, Fauci said <laughs> that coronavirus could be a little bit worse than the flu. One and a half to 2.2 million dead Americans if we do nothing. 100 to 240,000 dead if we do it all perfectly. That's it. Now today, we can really bring that number down. I do not accept that we have to have 100,000 dead Americans. We can absolutely bring that number down. We're using predictions of predictions of models. Bottom line is, they are straight up guessing. They do not know. They're trying their best to make you think that they know with their predictions of their predictions of the predictions of the predictions, but they don't know. They're clueless. They've gone from the world is going to end to, no, it's not so bad, to, hey, it's like the flu, to, oh, my gosh, two, two and a half million dead, to, eh, it's not going to be that bad, less than 100,000. Meanwhile, Dr. Labcoat, Amy Acton, and I call her Dr. Labcoat because you ever notice every time Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks give their updates during the presidential briefings every day, they're just dressed in normal business attire. Every time Mike DeWine and Dr. Acton give their uh, um, Ohio update every day at 2 o'clock, Dr. Acton has to make sure that you know she's a doctor. She's got that white lab coat on. It's kind of funny. It's like she's looking for credibility. The credibility that eluded her when she declared a month ago that she believes there to be 100,000 cases in Ohio alone. So far, she's off by about 99,000. They're guessing. They don't know. And then they're saying, well, the model said this, but the data was different. In other words, you're guessing. If the data is changing constantly and the models are changing constantly, stop scaring everybody. Protect the most vulnerable and put this country back to work. I don't know if I can be any more clear than that. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Those are the numbers to join us. You can get me on social media for all that it's worth, which is next to nothing, as I despise Twitter and Facebook. But I'm there because I kind of have to be there. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, France Radio, all one word. No spaces, no underscores, just France Radio on Twitter and Facebook. I've got these stories posted there as well, so you can comment, respond. We'll read the best ones on the radio here on AM 1420, The Answer. In addition to the AM and the FM signals, you have a lot of other ways to listen to us. You can listen to us on uh, our free mobile app, which you can download from your app store or your Play Store, uh, which is 1420 The Answer. You can also listen through iHeart.com. You can also lose, uh, listen through the Radio.com app, the iHeart app, the Radio.com app, and also, of course, through your uh, Amazon speaker. Just uh, say, uh, Alexa, Alexa, uh, play The Answer Cleveland, and we will be live on your speaker. So make sure you find a way to listen to us. Really, day and night. You know, a lot of people ask me, hey, Bob, does the signal drop down precipitously at night? And the answer is yes. Uh, according to the FCC rules, we have to. Uh, and so if it does get harder to pick up, that's when the beauty of Radio.com, IR, uh, the iHeart app, Radio.com app, et cetera, the things that I just mentioned come into play for you. You'll never miss it. And, of course, you can listen live on our website. Just open up your laptop or your 
uh, your phone or your uh, tablet and uh, just listen to uh, listen to it through whkradio.com. Okay, I'm uh, going to get a couple of calls. By the way, I've got two guests who are coming on today that I'm very, very uh, excited and interested to talk to. Patrick Wood, who is an author and who is also the executive director of an organization that I'm involved with, which is Citizens for Free Speech, is going to be come on to, coming on to talk about something that a caller brought up last week, and that is the common roots of climate change hysteria and COVID-19 hysteria. They share some things in common. And we're going to talk about what that is and why. Then at 10.35 this morning, you're going to want to hear this. There is a Democratic state legislator from Akron who wants to drag Donald Trump by the suit lapel to The Hague in the Netherlands and try him for crimes against humanity for promoting the hydroxychloroquine drug. She's not joking. She tweeted it. She's asking for legal services, people who uh, who can uh, help her file this. She's a former juvenile court magistrate judge, apparently. And she, uh, or, or magistrate, we'll call her magistrate. Uh, and uh, she's now a state uh, legislator. And she says, we're taking Trump to the international court in The Hague to try him for crimes against humanity. I kid you not. And she's coming on live on this program. This one, to talk to me, me, at 10.35. You might want to tell your friends. Lisa in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Lisa, Um, go ahead. Hi, Bob, how you doing? Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to say that I used to work in the healthcare field, and then um, due to some health issues, I had to retire, but I currently work with children, but I don't work in a school. And I really believe that this stuff started a long time ago because about October, um, all the kids started getting this stuff where they would spike raw high fevers for like anywhere between like one to three days. They never got a stuffy nose, but everything went right to the chest. They were achy. They coughed and they coughed. And this year, everybody in the whole household got it. It wasn't like, you know, every, you know, oh, the kids had it. We didn't. Mm-hmm. And those kids, up until the time that school stopped, they were still coughing, and I have a um, 22-year-old or 23-year-old that recently graduated from college, and um, the whole time he was at college, the whole time he was in school, he never got sick. I can't wait till the antibody test comes out because I think he had it. He came home from work, had the high fever for three days, uh, just didn't feel good, and again, no stuffy nose, no boiling right to the chest. He had coughed up blood. And he ha- he was home for like three days from work, wow. and I was I was to put it this way: like six or seven weeks later, every so often he is still coughing. So I think it's been here a lot longer than they think it is. And I think the so only too. other comment I have is mm-hmm. is isn't this the perfect opportunity for the Democrats to try to say keep everybody home? They don't want any more rallies. They don't want Trump out there campaigning. They want to try to keep this going so that they can totally trash the economy, because that's the only way they're going to win over Trump. Well, I think a lot of that has some validity. I I really do. Lisa, i got to go. Thanks for the call. Um, I think there's a lot of validity validity to that as far as what the Democrats want, and they also see this as an opportunity to remake the country, as one of their representatives said, uh, or senators said, actually. uh, Remake the country, said uh, Clyburn. 
um, uh, you know, in the Green New Deal image that they wanted. That's what they're using these uh, stimulus bills to do. So, yeah, uh, I think the Democrats have a very, very uh, vested interest in making sure this thing drags out and uh, and making sure that uh, they can they can make as many changes as possible that they could not make legislatively. Okay, nine thirty. Time for news. Back after this on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hey, I'm going to go back to the phones on this in a moment, but um, on the coronavirus and everything we are talking about, the guessing that they are doing, but um, uh, this is kind of a breaking news story that I think deserves our attention. Posted by the Plain Dealer News Guild on their Facebook page a half an hour ago, right when we started the show at about 9 o'clock. The Plain Dealer News Guild has announced that the Cleveland Plain Dealer will no longer cover Cleveland. This is not a spoof. This is not a joke. This is not a parody. This is not an onion story. Statement by the Northeast Ohio Newspaper Guild, Local One. The Plain Dealer Newsroom will no longer be covering Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, or the state of Ohio. Editor Tim Warzinski announced Monday to the 14 remaining staff members that the newsroom would, with a few exceptions, become a bureau covering five outlying counties, Geauga, Lake, Lorraine, Medina, and Portage. The move would bar most of the reporters from covering stories in Cuyahoga or Summit counties, as well as statewide issues where they have developed expertise and have institutional knowledge. This latest announcement comes as the newsroom has worked ceaselessly in covering the unprecedented pandemic, putting aside their own personal family and financial situations to cover the news and tell the stories of healthcare workers and the community. It would also remove the remaining arts and life reporters, including Laura DeMarco and John Pekovich, sorry to give their names, but they they announced them, from covering the beats they have covered for decades. Stephen Litt would continue as arts and architecture critic. Terry Pluto and Philip Morris would continue as columnists. Susan Glosser would continue to cover regional travel. The move would bar the award-winning plane dealer photographers who remain, Gus Chan and Lisa DeJong, from photographing Cuyahoga County. It would also mean that, and it goes into some other things here about real estate and development reporters, yada, 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 and a few other names, Warsinski called the move a company-wide strategy decision. He did not say which company. The Plain Dealer, which is owned by Advanced Publications, consistently has maintained that the Plain Dealer and Advanced Local are separate companies. Advanced Local operates the non-union Cleveland.com newsroom, which has not announced layoffs. The two-newsroom operation was never going to become tenable or permanent, Warsinski told staffers. In effect, he's admitting that this decision is part of a broader move to eliminate the Plain Dealer and its staff altogether and not attempt to provide meaningful coverage on areas the company has stopped reporting on in any depth for years. The announcement comes three days after the plane dealer laid off 22 people in the newsroom, including 18 guild representative journalists and four non-union managers. It's clear the company does not value the expertise of its veteran reporters and doesn't think the community does either. A move like this is incomprehensible, says that this is all quoting the plane dealer news guild on their Facebook page. So this is the union. Um, a move like this is incomprehensible and can only be interpreted as a way to punish people for belonging to a union. The company is choosing to switch reporters who have covered the city and county for decades to new beats and move their well-sourced beats to non-union. Or I'm sorry, yeah, and move their uh, well-sourced beats to non-union reporters at Cleveland.com. Warsinski 
in a call with the remaining reporter, said, I don't want to end my career by letting down the people I love and respect. But he has, says the Guild. It's, uh, he has also let down the community, which has come to rely on the trusted voices at the Plain Dealer to provide their expertise. I'll say that and withhold editorial comment. The decision is a loss to the people of, Plain, of Cleveland and Cuyahoga County who care about in-depth and solutions-based reporting that Plain Dealer reporters have consistently provided in recent years and a win for the public officials and others who don't want their misdeeds uncovered. And that last line was the money line. I was just talking to a friend, a veteran journalist, who sent me a link to this, who told me about it during our break. And the first thing I asked him was, does this mean that Mayor Frank Jackson and his all-Democrat city administration and uh, a city council and that um, uh, the virtually all-Democrat or Democrat-controlled Cuyahoga County Council, that they basically will go uncovered now by actual journalists? digging into stories in government to root out corruption? Is that what this means? Because as much as I have criticized the plain dealer for their bias in in recent years, and I stand by that criticism, and as much as I've criticized them for essentially becoming the Cleveland-Washington Post because they seem to run more um, articles and columns from the Washington Post than the Washington Post does, as much as I criticize that, there was a time when the Cleveland Plain Dealer did great work for the people of this city. It was the Plain Dealer that started the investigation that led to the FBI raiding Jimmy DeMora and Frank Russo's places and tearing down the corrupt Cuyahoga County Commission, or the Board of Commissioners, if you will. That was huge. Plain Dealer was responsible for that. It's important to have you know, honest integrity-driven reporters working in a major city the size of Cleveland, Ohio, to hold its government accountable. Because so many of the misdeeds, oh my goodness, the things that are done inside government, it's, you know, when President Trump talks about the swamp, yeah, there is the large swamp called Washington, D.C., but there are mini swamps in, you know, big cities like Chicago, as we know and we've seen in New York, and yes, in Cleveland as well. And, you know, you need a press. You need a free press. President Trump routinely calls the mainstream media the enemy of the people. And there, he has good reason because of what so many of them have done, which is turned away from integrity-based reporting and turned into just uh, essentially yellow journalism and, quite frankly, just slandering the president and anything and everything he touches. But smaller picture, on a micro level rather than a macro level, we need reporters at newspapers like the Plain Dealer working locally. And now they said they're not going to be able to cover Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, or the state of Ohio. Apparently, Cleveland.com will do some of it, but Lord only knows. So the plain dealer, with 14 remaining staff members, can we say definitively that a year from now the plain dealer will still exist? Seriously. Cleveland Press went up, or went down, really. I was going to say went belly up. Is the plain dealer, are we about to lose the only newspaper, the only Big, large-scale newspaper in Cleveland. I know there's smaller papers like The Sun and so on and so forth, but holy cow, uh, that's pretty large. No p- newspaper reporters covering Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. And as the News Guild, the union just said at the end of that, this is a win for public officials like Frank Jackson, Cleveland, Cleveland City Council, Cuyahoga County Council, County Executive, This is a win for public officials who don't want their misdeeds uncovered. That's big. Uh, Tony's in Strongsville. Wants to get back on the coronavirus story. Go ahead, Tony. You're on the air. 
Bob, real quick, I went to my church yesterday. One person in this whole building is a sign up saying no more than 10 people. That church could hold 300 people and they could play basketball between them. I mean, it's an insult to God. You talk about God being offended? <laughs> He's offended, I'm sure. Even the church, uh, you know, the hierarchy, the bishops are saying this is ridiculous. We can't practice our religion anymore. No, so no. First we, Amendment rights to freedom of religion and practice of yeah, religion is right. indeed, they are they are indeed being, you know, censored. Right, and our Wimpy governor permits this, and he's forcing it on us, so it's a shame. It's, a, it's a really a shame. Uh, we're being destroyed little by little, and we offend God daily. How can we say to God, well, bless our nation? He's not going to bless yeah. our nation, no. Well, so, I do find you know, it just interesting. Want to tell you that, hmm? I just want to tell you that, because it's, okay. uh, it, just, it just struck me again. So, well, Tony, I'm, I'm glad you did. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thanks for the call, Tony. Bye-bye. Um, I, I do agree. I find it kind of interesting, as everybody should, uh, that we consider um, an auto parts store to be essential, but a church to not be essential. And I'm not saying they should close auto parts stores either, by the way. I'm just pointing out. There are things that are allowed to stay open, and people are allowed to go into it, conduct their business, and leave. Um, with the blessings of Mike DeWine and Amy Acton and the, and the president and so on and so forth. They have the blessing of that. They're allowed to go into store. We're not talking about pharmacies. We're not talking about, you know, uh, groceries. We're allowed to go into, you know, a Chipotle is considered an essential business now because they sell food. And people can go into and stand in a line. Now, I know they have X's on the ground, I'm told. To make sure that you know how far six feet is, you got to stand on one of the X's. But it's okay for them to stay open and for people to come in and get their their uh, chicken burrito or their steak burrito or whatever. That's considered essential. But allowing people to walk into their place of worship and maybe kneel six feet apart from somebody else who is kneeling and listen to the priest conduct a service or the, uh, or the um, uh, rabbi, or whomever it is, whatever your, your faith may be, uh, that's not essential. Auto parts store, burrito factory, essential. Place of worship, non-essential, stay home. I do find that a little bit disturbing. Kevin is in um, Garfield Heights, AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Kevin, go ahead. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Um, Good, sir. Yeah, great show this morning. Just wanted to say that one of the main reasons why we did all these restrictions, according to Governor DeWine and Amy Acton, was to not overwhelm the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the beginning, it was like, okay, well, we might overwhelm the system. But now that the data, even the data now is still, it, it can end up being wrong. But even the data that they use, we're not anywhere close to overwhelming the system. I mean, I know the one, uh, the, the one study out of Washington was like, Ohio would need, uh, Ohio has like 1,300 ICU beds, and the projection was only like 300 beds, you know, so far. So you think Governor DeWine's going to look at the data and say, well, we're not going to overwhelm the system, so we can start opening things back up? Well, you um, think he would do that? Well, um, here, here's your answer. Let me, let me pull up his latest tweet from Governor Mike DeWine. I saw it this morning. It was going to be part of oh, what boy. I discussed anyway. So since you just yeah. brought this up, I'm glad to hear you say it so I can read it here. Governor Mike DeWine tweeted this morning. uh, No, I beg your pardon. This is last night. I don't think this is our peak week. 
I think our peak will be further out. But what we're doing today is contributing to controlling the surge. Don't give up. Our ability to control this storm is in our hands. A huge part of it is what we are doing collectively. Double down on your commitment, he says. And he's quoting Amy Acton. He's quoting Dr. Labcoat. Uh, double yeah. down on your commitment, Ohio. Let's fight this together. We do not want to be passive and let this virus own us. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe he's saying that because that is exactly yeah. what they are letting this virus do, own all of us and keep us under lock Yeah, and key. absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so there's your answer. No, he is not going to look at the changing numbers and alter his his um, uh, his orders. He's going to continue to listen to lab coat, and, uh, and away we go. Ah, so frustrating. We'll keep up the good work because we need it your is. voice. We need Dave Zanotti's voice. I mean, because there's not many voices out there like you. So, well, I, I we appreciate you. you saying that. And you're right. We need all of our voices. And again, thank you for the call. I am not that guy. I'm not going to sit here and just scream that this is all a hoax. I do not believe it is all a hoax. I believe the response to it has been extraordinarily over the top. I believe it has been an outsized response to something that is proving to be not the black plague that they thought it was. Now, to the point that he mentioned about Washington, there is a very well-regarded and very closely watched University of Washington model. You know, these predictive models that uh, that uh, Dr. Fauci was talking about and Dr. Burks were talking about when they say that the models get predictions of predictions in order to tell us what we think is coming. And this is how we have to establish public policy based on those models, right? The predictions of the predictions of those models. Well, that University of Washington model for yesterday... No, beg your pardon, for Sunday, April 5th. And they're tracking it day to day. I'll have to find yesterday's. But the most recent one we have here is from Sunday, April 5th. This is the model versus the reality for New York State, the epicenter of all of this in the United States. 69,000 beds were projected to be filled and needed in New York State as of April 5th. 69,000. The number actually needed was 16,500. 69,000, 16,000. The difference between the model and the reality. Let's look at the ICU unit, the intensive care unit. According to the model being used, one of the models being used by the uh, coronavirus task force, the doctors, the lab coach were telling us all of this is coming apart. This model projected 12,346 ICU beds would be needed as of April 5th in New York State. The actual number, 4,376. Even better, the overall bed count rose less than 600 statewide as of Sunday. That's less than 4%. That means the pace and the reality compared to what the models are projecting is so unbelievably lower and less threatening than that what they want us to believe. These are the models that have led Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and all the ones we're supposed to trust and Dr. Labcoat Amy Acton. These are the ones that have led us to believe that we have to shut down America to combat this vi- this uh, this virus. They told us that one point, what was it, 1.5 to 2.2 million Americans would die if we didn't do this. And even if we do do it, 100,000 to 240,000 are going to die. 
based on the models. The models that don't know what in the living H is going on. 952 back after this. Now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to give you another taste of what we're talking about here when I tell you that they've been guessing, and they've been guessing from the very start. I want to specifically shine a light on the Democrats who have blamed Donald Trump for this. You should see the headlines that I have in front of me right now. Sonny Hosen suggests Trump might be profiting off of the drug uh, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, Trump is going to own thousands of deaths, says Susan Rice. Uh, They're all blaming Donald Trump for uh, not taking this seriously from the beginning. This is what the Democrats have said. This is what they say every day on CNN, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, ABC. Donald Trump didn't respond to this appropriately at the beginning. I want to give you a little taste of Democrats responding to things appropriately at the beginning. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hearty people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm-hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if it were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yes. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. That montage is of liberal Democrat news media members and elected officials, and they are one and the same, truthfully. All of them in the months of February, month of February in the first part of March, telling you you have nothing to worry about. It's no big deal. Bill de Blasio said it's like the common cold. And since that time, they have all been trying to tell you Donald Trump didn't take it seriously in time. And that's the reason why we have this problem now. We're all going to die by the millions. They are now screaming the hysteria that they told you not to have at the beginning of all of this. My friends, the lab coats, the politicians, and the media are guessing. I will not call them all liars, but I will tell you this. They don't know what in the heck is happening, and they are trying to profit from that fact. 
We'll be back with Patrick Wood, Executive Director of Citizens for Free Speech, who's got some thoughts on how this hysteria compares to the global warming hysteria. He'll join us next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.